Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Please join your hosts, Kyle Merch, Mike Lobing, and White Teeter on episode 63 as we bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears. So, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Cyclones men's basketball. What? Did you already do that, or am I just watching the women's basketball game too closely and not paying attention? Yeah, probably. The NFL and our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. That's what we're doing this episode. See, we put that in the intro point two part. That's why I'm for, confused. See, I'm yeah, just, just going confused. on autopilot during the intro, so I started watching the Iowa State women versus Texas, by the way, the on an 8-0 run to start the game, and Texas just took a timeout. And yeah, I, I abstracted and wasn't paying attention. So. I would argue that anything that comes out of my mouth is much less interesting than anything basketball-related, so that's fair. Right, there's going to be some interesting stuff coming out of your mouth here, this uh, you know NFL segment. Ooh. A lot happening. Oh, you betcha. And should, I we just stay, should we just stay on that cycle in women's basketball tangent for a second and talk about how they had a huge win this week over Texas Tech? Yes, please. It was a 30-point win. It was a 30-point win over a previously unbeaten Texas Tech team on the road in Lubbock. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, the Cyclones women's basketball team is probably going to be the thing to watch this year instead of the men's basketball team. Uh, we will get into that abysmal uh, week here and shortly, but... Do you have anything to add for the women's team, Mike? Not really. Since I'm, see, since I'm not don't have Cyclones TV anymore, since I'm not at Ames, I can't, can't watch, watch very many games, which is why I'm excited that this one's on national television because I get to watch it. I'm pumped. I love watching my Cyclone women. I fell in love with them last year. Now I can't get enough of them. I will watch them all the time. Love. But there's, there's something that Iowa State fans uh, can't really fall in love with right now, and... That is the the men's uh, basketball team after they oh had an abysmal this is, week. This is this last week. This is probably the worst week in Cyclone basketball history, and I'm not exaggerating. When I, it's at least the worst week of if you consider this whole week in last decade because it started in last decade, it's definitely the worst week of the decade. Yeah, 100%. and it could be the worst week of Cyclone basketball history. I, so remember how uh, last week and two weeks ago I talked about how we weren't going to learn anything uh, until conference play started? I was very much wrong because the Cyclone men's basketball team went out and laid an egg against Florida A&M. This is a Florida a and That's a game that, the, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, the Cyclones had a 98.8% chance of winning. It was in Hilton. Granted, the students were gone, but still, it was in Hilton. So that's a game that they got to win. This they is were Florida- up at half. Yep. They were up at halftime, too. Yep. And now, granted, two players for Florida a and I don't exactly remember their names, but they literally went off. They were on fire from three, hitting anything and everything. There was one shot at the end of the game, which put them up almost ahead for good, I, I think, when I... Uh, tuned in just for the last little bit where he just pulled up and banked it in over George Condit and Condit fouled him. And it was like two steps inside the new three-point line. So everything that they were throwing up was going in. And then at the end of the game, Razier Bolton makes a horrible drive to the basket and just loses 
wildly out of control and just loses the ball. And then the Cyclones go on to lose, obviously, because they have to foul. Um, but obviously, this is probably the worst loss in men's basketball history. Well, at least in our lifetime, I would say. For but sure, maybe in lifetime. history. But it's just it just wasn't a good look for the team, for the program, for the brand. And the thing that we learned is this team literally revolves around Tyrese Halliburton since he didn't play in this game. Yeah, we... When I, yeah, I said we lied about us not learning anything because we learned exactly how important Tyrese Halliburton is to this team. It goes from a team who can be competitive with pretty much anybody in the country to a team that will could lose to literally anybody in the country. This is a Florida A&M team who never, ever, ever in the history of their school had beaten a Power 5 pro well, Power 6 program in basketball, because Big East. But never, ever beaten a Power 5 program. They were 0-102 against Power 5 schools. They had not won a game. 1984 is when they became a Division One school. They had not ever beaten a Power 5 team until they beat Iowa State. You, you just can't lose that game. You can't. Hilton used to be a place where teams like Kansas were scared to come to. You can't have your home court be a place where Florida A&M can come in and beat you. That's there just unacceptable. A, there was a stat put out by one of the uh, Iowa State um, sports writers about how many home losses Iowa State has suffered in the last decade per season. And generally, it was between two and four losses per season at home. Through, I think, however many games the Cyclones have played this season, they already have two home losses yeah, in non-conference play. It, it's just this this team has lost its home court advantage. Now, we can obviously look forward to next year and say next year might be better, but this team has to, if this team is going to be good next year, this team has to start getting it, figuring it out right now because it just showed that when we lose Halliburton, this team can't, can't win, really. We're going to lose Halliburton. I believe Prentice Nixon and Michael Jacobson going into next season, three big players, and all we're bringing in are some really good recruits. But how can this team play together with Tyrese Halliburton potentially, or in my opinion, inevitably leaving the yeah. program? Halliburton is Halliburton is gonna go to the NBA. He's gonna be a lottery pick. He's that good, and how good he was showed during. Uh, or during his absence. And then during the next game against TCU, uh, they opened conference play on Saturday evening. And um, Tyrese Halliburton was back in the lineup, which was good. He had a triple-double, which Kyle tells me is the sixth in school history and 17th in league history, which is pretty impressive. Only 17 triple-doubles in the history of the Big 12. Especially with uh, players like Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant coming out of the league who are... Who are we're tri- our triple-double producers in the NBA. Yeah. Well, Blake Griffin, not necessarily a triple-double. Well, he used to be. I mean, was he ever? What was his third category? He wasn't a big assister. I, I mean, guess maybe not. I would, he, was, he was more of a 2020 guy, I guess. Yeah, I would I agree with say, that. But. but, yeah, Kevin Durant, I agree with. But, yeah. Um, but... Like I said, this was the worst week of Cyclone basketball, not necessarily just the worst game. So I think you can infer that they lost. But I don't know how. So 
Cyclones are up three with about eight seconds left there. And um, basically what happens is TCU is bringing the ball up the court, right? About eight seconds left. And they think we're going to foul them, right? There's the old debate, do you foul when you're up three or do you not foul when you're up three? It's a long debate. I'm on the don't foul side. But anyway. I am as well. And hold on one second. One of the sports writers did the math and the calculations on what the percentage change was. It was like a 98% chance to win when you foul and a 97% chance to win when you don't foul. So the 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 when you talk about like the analytics and the statistics behind the difference right there, it changes drastically if you're only up 2 points rather than 3 points. So in that case, I'm with don't foul. It's really hard for them to make a three, especially if you're guarding really well. Right. Just defend again. Basically, the reason, yeah, I saw similar numbers where your winning percentage is slightly better if you don't foul versus if you do foul. So that's why I'm on the uh, the don't foul camp. But anyway, TCU thought we were going to foul. And so what they did is they elevated and took a three basically from the U in TCU. But we didn't foul him, so it looked like an awful shot and the game was going to be over. Except he banks in the three. He basically banked in a three from half court that he wasn't really trying to make. He was trying to get fouled, which sends the game to overtime. And then TCU is just too much for Iowa State in overtime. Tyrese Taliban did get a uh, last-second three in the air to go ahead that missed off the iron. So um, the Cyclones did end up losing that game by two. That would have been a good recovery and a good win to get. Start off conference play 1-0 against a, a decent TCU team, but it was not to be with uh, that three going in. That was just an unlucky play. Eventually, the Cyclones will get those because they won't be won't be that unlucky. But right there, they were quite unlucky, and maybe and, one of those will go our way later. But And one major thing to note is that... Um, well, I guess this is the Iowa State is still rocking and rolling with the same starting lineup, but I believe it is time for George Condit to become the starter on this team. Um, since against TCU, he poured in in 31 minutes of play, he played significantly more time than Solomon Young and Michael Jacobson come b- or together. Um, he had 19.6 rebounds, two assists in the game. He was 50. 50% from the field and 7 of 11 from the line from the charity stripe. I believe he should see way more of the court and get a starting position. I think that's going to be good going forward for this Iowa State team, even though Steve Prohm never right. changes we, his lineup during the season. We had the, the same discussion last year when, if Lindell Wiginton should get back in the starting lineup, right? I, he's not going to change it. Steve Prohm just doesn't change it. It's just going to be the way it's going to go. Yeah. So it I is going to be what it's going to be. I just hope Condit starts at some point. Well, if he's, playing, he needs to. if he's playing 31 minutes, I don't really care who starts. I mean, how many minutes? I guess it was an overtime game, so there were 45 minutes to be had. But, mm-hmm. but how many minutes but do you want Solomon to play? Young, Solomon right? Young was in foul trouble, which yeah. is why he didn't play that many minutes. So right. if he stays out of foul trouble, those minutes might be more even. Right. But as long as he's playing a majority of the minutes, I don't care whether he starts or not personally it's more symbolic than anything else as long as he plays more minutes i don't care if he starts yeah well that's it i get looking forward 
the Cyclones have two home games this week. They get Kansas at home um, without students on on Wednesday without students again, and then on Saturday they get Oklahoma again. Um, Oklahoma is coming in at ten and three, and of course Kansas is coming in as the number three team in the country on eleven and two. Uh, that game on Wednesday is on ESPN Plus. So for all of you Disney Plus, ESPN Plus subscribers, you'll get that game. And then the uh, Iowa State Oklahoma game hasn't been picked up on television. It's on ESPN two. Oh, it's not telling me that. So ESPN two. So everyone, we need everyone to, else need, will get that. Need to have one of those games. If yes, you even want to play of an NCAA tournament, you need to have one of those games. And getting a win over Kansas will go a long way to help kind of forget what happened last week yeah. against Florida A&M. Yeah, I, I expect Hilton to be sold out and loud even without students against Kansas. So I think it'll be think it'll be a good game still. We'll, we'll battle them. I don't think we'll beat them, but we'll battle them for sure. Well, speaking of sellouts and loud atmospheres... There were quite a few fantastic games with loud atmospheres and near sellout crowds in the NFL this weekend, Saturday and Sunday football in the wild card round. All four games were absolutely fantastic. And yeah, yeah, they were yeah. they were awesome. So you want to do you want to talk about the Texans and the Bills game, Mike? Yeah, I know so, that you're a little bit upset about something that get, went on, went, out, went on, and you were trying to inform me on that. Yeah, but I'll I'll leave the rant to Wyatt, which we'll get to at the end. But also, I'll fill you in on what happened. So in the end, uh, the the Bills get up sixteen nothing. They're up sixteen nothing at halftime. Texas or the Texas the Texans come storming back. They end up being able to tie the game at the end of regulation. Well, actually, they take the lead, and the Bills go down and tie the game at the end of regulation with Josh Allen doing some really weird... Did you see that Josh Allen play? So with the Bills driving near the end of the fourth quarter trying to go tie the game, right? Or were they trying to take the lead? I don't remember exactly. I'd have to go look at the box score. I don't know for sure. But anyway, Josh Allen runs for like 15 yards and a first down, and... um. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to find the scoring plays here. Play by play, scoring plays. Here we go. Uh, yeah, they were driving down to try to tie it up. And Josh Allen right, runs for 15 yards, and he's in the middle of the field about to get tackled with about a minute left and no timeouts. And instead of just going down, you know, you'll spike the ball, whatever, he tries to pitch it to nobody towards the sideline, and the ball's just bouncing around on the sideline before it gets knocked out of bounds. But, I mean, that ball could have easily been picked up by Houston and game over. I have no idea what he was thinking. That was one of the worst plays by a quarterback, <laughs> one of the most stupid plays by a quarterback I'd ever seen. That's well, a mental goes to, It just goes to show that it's a young quarterback who's never played a playoff game before, and he's in a road environment. Yeah, he's young. Anyway, that ends up getting knocked out of bounds, and the Bills are able to kick a field goal to tie it and send it to overtime. But um, in overtime, Houston wins the toss, and uh, Deshaun Watson ends up leading them down. Or no, Buffalo won the toss and had to punt, but then Houston gets the ball back, and Deshaun Watson ends up leading them down with an incredible run where it basically got sandwiched between two defenders 
for a sack, except he got out of it and ran it down into the red zone where they just kicked it. The was, field goal. It was cover zero, and in an interview of like of Deshaun Watson after the game, they asked him what was he thinking in that in that instance, and he said, "Just stay up." Most quarterbacks in that case are thinking, "Just get rid of the ball." He was thinking, "Just get up and extend the play," and went absolute like I don't know, not human. And he just ran around, and got the, dumped the ball off, and got what like a thirty yard gain out of it to set yeah. up the game winning field goal. Yeah, it was it was insane. Deshaun Watson is a heck of a player. The rest of that team kind of sucks, but Deshaun Watson is a heck of a player. So he'll we'll see what he can do in the next round of the playoffs. They were the four seed, and they are the highest remaining seed, so they are going to go play the, the Kansas, Kansas City, City in Arrowhead yes, next on Sunday, Sunday at 3.05 Eastern. Yes. The late game on Sunday will be Chiefs versus That's uh, actually Texas. the early. Isn't that the early game on Sunday? Normally they play noon and three on Sundays. That's what they did this week. They play three and seven on Saturdays and noon and three on Sundays. That's what they did this week, at least. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I presume that's what they're doing again. So, yep, they'll have that. No, the, you're wrong, actually. I'm wrong, really? They're playing a the Sunday night game? game? They're playing a 540 game. Seattle versus Green Bay. Oh, sorry. Went ahead to the... We'll, oh, we might as well talk about the Seattle Seahawks now. No, we're going to talk about the dang games in order, Kyle. Okay. We're going to talk about the games in order. That's actually a 2 o'clock start, not a 3 o'clock start. Five. Two o'clock. That's start. what I said. Three o five Eastern, two o five Central. None of us are in the Eastern Time Zone anymore, Kyle. I am. No, you're not. Well, not right now. Not right now. I am. I will be when I'm watching that See, game. Kyle, we are your favorite what-based sports podcast. Fill in the blank. Midwest. All right, Tennessee okay. Titans. And what, what time zone is the Midwest in? Tennessee Titans in the other wild. No, car- no, timeout. The Bills got screwed. Wyatt wants to rant about why. Give Wyatt a chance. You're all... You said you said we were doing that at the end. No, I said at the end of the Bills Texans thing. Wyatt, talk about why the Bills got screwed and actually should have won that game. Oh, I would love to. Well, I'm not going to say they should have actually won that game. They should have been. Should, the no, they should have won that in, game. You know? I'm going to go as far uh, as they won that game. Well, uh, I'm okay, not. I'm when not. You have so a 16 sure. point lead in the playoffs. You should win a game. Well, right, but. but Continue. There's no reason for them to lose that game other than shoddy offense and a couple bad defensive plays. They shouldn't have been in that play. But the thing that I really want to talk about here is the level of incompetency displayed on the field during that game. One specific play, we're going to totally disregard some of the blown calls in overtime, like the missed delay of game or the really crappy blindside block. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw either of those. There, that was weak. Yeah, that was weak. Blindside block, I thought was questionable for sure. That was weak sauce. He came in on the side, but and re- okay. and regarding the delay game, I've seen some articles of people like posting screen caps and going frame by frame through the television broadcast that has the little game ticker down next to the quarterback's feet. You know what I'm talking about? The little uh-huh. screen overlay. That's not the official game time for anybody that's actually watching that. So counting the frames of whatever broadcast you watch doesn't mean jack squat. So if you're trying to say that the Bills didn't get screwed on the delay game, you're wrong. And also another thing about NFL officiating in that case, the official looks at the game clock and then looks down to see if the ball has been snapped yet. Inherently, there is a time delay in that. 
There is. And also, fun fact, that is the um, the back the back judge's job, right? It's the back yeah. judge's job to keep an eye on the, the game clock. Anyway, what I really want to talk about is the, <laughs> the, the the whole touchback scenario that happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you've, you're either from the future and you don't care or you're living under a rock. But <laughs> Actually, they, see, here's the thing is they don't have to be living under a rock because nobody in the media is talking about this. And At I don't all. know why. This it's is one irritating. of the worst misinterpretations of the rules. Considering the situation, it's one of the worst misinterpretations of the rules in NFL history. That's literally what I have here. The issue here is the officials were making up rules, or like you said, more accurately, misinterpreting the rulebook. So here's the case. Buffalo Bills at Houston, January 4th, 2020. The score is 13-0, opening up the second half. A kickoff with Houston returning starts, and the pigskin accelerates off of number three, Stephen Huachuglou, Buffalo's kicker. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I can't do that. So that ball creates a beautiful parabola. It nestles itself directly in the hands of number 14, DeAndre Carter of the Texans. Prior to receiving the ball, Carter raises his arms to form a quasi-T pose to show the rest of the field that he is not going to return the ball. He catches the ball to prevent it from bouncing back into the fetal play and then tosses the ball to the referee. Instead of taking it like, like a knee like you would normally expect, right? So he tosses towards the referee. The referee kind of jumps out of the way like, yo, dude, this is a live ball. It lands on the ground. Buffalo scoops up the ball in the end zone, and Tony Corrente, the referee, signals that it's a touchdown. He puts his arms up in the air to signal it's a touchdown. Soon after, the officials confer, and two strange official-looking guys in black jackets come and join their little referee huddle. And soon after, the referee comes back and says that Carter had, quote-unquote, given himself up, and therefore the ball was dead in the end zone, and it is a touchback. So, first of all, let's break down. Do you guys know who the two guys in black jackets were that ran out of the field? I assume one of them was the uh, replay official, mm-hmm. and one of them uh, was the timing official? No, neither. They were both what are called alternate officials, which oh, is, yeah, I think it's sense. new for this, this playoff season. I'm not actually In case sure. officials get injured, then yeah, they have so backups. There's four alternate officials. There's an alternate referee. There's an alternate umpire, an alternate uh, line official. And then there's an alternate deep official. So, fun okay. fact, two of those guys that ran out were uh, two of the alternate officials. And it, you would think, right, that when he tosses the ball out, it's still a live ball, and it should be able to be recovered by the Bills and be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Mike Pereira tweets this quote, quote, unquote, didn't see what happened on the touchback in the end zone, but even if you don't down it, tossing the ball to the official or dropping the ball intentionally ends the play. You are deemed to have given yourself up. That's from Mike Pereira. He was a former uh, VP of officiating or something for the NFL, right? Wasn't he's he a, a former referee too? Yeah, he was. But prior, before he was a VP, he was he was a referee. He's a complete joke. I don't like Mike Pereira. I don't think he knows what he's talking about, even though he should, because he's literally an expert in what he talks about. So and let's look at this play. Fox all the time, <laughs> right? He's, yeah, he's Fox Sports rules analyst. I don't like the Fox Sports crew at all. I'm not a big fan of Troy Aikman or a Joe Buck. So I don't watch anything on Fox. So let, let's look at what this play isn't, first of all. So a dead ball is defined in the NFL rulebook as in Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1, letters A through Q. I'm not going to go through all of them, but let's just pick a couple to look at. So A, for instance, a dead ball is when a runner is contacted by an opponent and then touches the ground with a part of his body besides the hands or feet. That's an obvious down ball, right? When a runner is held or otherwise restrained to stop forward progress. This isn't the case here because Carter was never touched at all. Uh, We have when a runner falls to the ground via kneeling or makes no effort to advance or sliding. That wasn't the case at all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So I want to clarify that one point. 
because yeah. this is the this is the one where people could get confused, and this is the one where I looked it up. So it is the the official rule states by right because normally in the NFL, right, even if like your knee hits the ground, you have to be touched to be down, right? So that official rule of being a dead ball being down is that you slide or take a knee or some you in some way touch the ground and make no effort to advance the ball. That's the key word there. And make no effort to advance the ball. Not or make no effort to advance the ball. Because if it said or make no effort to advance the ball, I could see how you can justify him saying he was down. But it says you have to take a knee, slide, etc. and make no effort to advance the ball. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, also quick fun fact you're that there's there's a slight exception to that rule and it's that you don't have to actually touch the ground if you're the quarterback you can just like half take a knee you don't your knee doesn't actually have to touch the ground right, that's only that's, for the quarterback yep exception only right. for quarterbacks so let's look at uh letter k here this is another one that might come into play it's when a loose ball comes to rest anywhere on the field and no player attempts to recover you might think okay well the ball came to rest in the end zone right the thing is so the bills made an attempt to recover it, and they freaking recovered it man right yeah. i've heard somebody try to use that like the Bills never stopped running after the ball. Oh. The Bills didn't hear a whistle, and they sprinted straight into the end zone and picked up the ball. It's not like four of them stood there, and then they're like, oh, I should pick this up. They sprinted straight down there and picked it up. And there, there's a myriad of other other ways that a ball can be declared dead. And these are the only ways that a ball can be declared dead. And in no way, shape, or form within any of these A through Q rules does it say that you can give yourself up to have a dead ball? That's not a thing in the NFL book whatsoever. And for a former referee and former vice president of officiating of the National Football League to say that you can, quote unquote, give yourself up, which isn't a rule, is it, it, it's crap. It's I don't even understand. You can't just start making up rules on the field like that. It's absolute garbage. I, yeah. it, it ticks me off. You have to follow the rule book. The, there, I don't even think there's, there's a misinterpretation of the rules here. It's just people making stuff up at this point, right? It has to be. Right. So, so this comes down to the age-old discussion. What is, or at least the thing we discussed during the World Series about the, the runner interference play, you remember that one? It comes yeah. down to the, yeah. the point of officiating or umpiring, right? Is the job of the official to enforce the rule book using common sense because common sense would say, you're right, that should be a touchback. But that is not the job of the official. Nope. At the fundamental level, the, the role of the official is to enforce the rules of the game. There is nothing in the rules of the game that can allow that to be a touchback. Right? There, is no part of the, there is no part of the rule book, unless I have missed something, but I scoured the rule book for this for like an hour and a half after the play. Yep. Um, I can't find any way you can justify that the player had that 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 was not should not have been a touchdown. It is not the official's job to enforce common sense. It is their job to enforce the rules. Also, and shout like, out. They even Sorry, said that on the ESPN broadcast. They're like, I'm glad common sense prevailed. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not glad common sense prevailed in that because that is not the role of officiating. The rules exist so that you don't have to make as few judgment calls as possible. Right. You, when you say he gave himself up, that is now a judgment call, right? What would happen if he, that was a fake kick return and he wanted to take a couple steps forward and toss it to the referee and then pick oh. it up and return it as a fake, right? Had he given himself up? Is that a touchback? What if he had, what if he had returned it for a touchdown? Common exactly. sense is not their job. Enforcing the rule book is their job. And I don't understand why people don't, don't get that. That's the sole job of the white hat and all the other black hats on the field as well. 
Uh, shout out to this really crappy SB Nation article by Morgan Moriarty that basically compares this play here that we were just talking about to some weird catch play that happened last year for the Bills saying how, you know, the exact same same quote, I'm glad that common sense prevailed, where n- none of these plays, first of all, they, they don't relate at all whatsoever. Um, second of all, they, they quoted that Mike Pereira tweet that I, that I pulled from earlier, so shout out there. But they also have this tweet from NFL officiating that says, quote, the officials got together and correctly ruled that the runner had given himself up prior to tossing the ball to the referee. So the NFL officiating account, the official verified account is tweeting about this. And I think that's totally crap. It's destroying the integrity they, they, of the game. They're just trying to cover their rear ends there because they know they're wrong. It. If they, they would are, just they know they know they're wrong and nobody's talking about it for I this I don't understand reason. why. I mean, because they don't the NFL doesn't want a game to a playoff game especially to be decided in a stupid way like that, which I get, but still, right? It happened, and that's right, and it should have to be enforced that way, right? If you're thinking about if, – as soon as you start talking about intent, right, what about the plays where like somebody's returning in an interception and they're free but they drop the ball a yard before the goal line? Well, obviously it was their intent to get in the end zone before they yep. dropped the ball. So that's a touchdown, right? Nope. No, of course not. So why they should intent the ball. not matter there but intent should matter in this case? You can't start judging that. Not at all. And But before we, we – uh, you know – totally beat this horse dead i want to bring up one more thing here and kind of get your opinion on it i also want to say that this actually wasn't a touchdown even if it was ruled correctly i don't i don't want to say this is a touchdown rule eight section one article one states that a forward pass is a ball that initially moves forward after leaving the passer's hands and a forward pass initiated after a kickoff is illegal and a penalty and any penalty that occurs in your own end zone, which this did happen, would result in a safety. But you, you can decline the penalty. Yeah. And the Bills de- would have declined the penalty, yep. making it a touchdown. But yep. had they accepted the penalty, right, they could have taken exactly. the safety instead. I agree. That I'm is also that, a correct interpretation because that was that, a forward lateral in the end zone. Yep. That, that would be the most correct interpretation of what happened there. Not Good. a touchback. In no way, in no universe whatsoever where you read the NFL rulebook. And, and to be totally fair, the NFL rulebook is very dense and it's a huge pain to, to read through. Um, but if you were to take the time and just go through that one article, that, that, that one section in the article that defines what a dead ball is, you would know that that could not be a touchback because the ball can't be dead in that scenario. That There is no way for that to be possible. I, I completely agree. And I said it. I was yelling it immediately when they overruled yep. that. You can ask my family. They were both out of the room, and I just started sc- – because it was half, right? It was this first kick of, half, of the second yeah. half. So they were all out of the room, and I was just there, and I saw the kickoff, and I just started screaming. And they're like, what could possibly be going on at the start of the second half in a game that Mike doesn't really care about that has him screaming at the TV like that? Yep. And then they, they finally figured out. And the, the biggest issue with this is, I mean, officiating is a hard job. I get that. And a lot of officiating is, is judgment calls, like we were talking about earlier. So that delay of game isn't really a judgment call, I suppose, but that's an easy mistake to make. Um, but that really bad, um, like blindside block that, that is a judgment call, you know, to some extent you, you kind of have to know what the difference is from a normal block and, and how, how the, the two people are coming perpendicular to each other to have a blindside block. And I understand right. that, but this was literally not a judgment call. It, it's nope. in the rule book. Like yeah. they just straight up didn't know the rules. And that that's, that's what really kind of gets to me is that these guys that are getting paid buku bucks to officiate these games. Like I said, I know it's a hard gig. I really do. But you got to know what the damn rule book says. Come on. 
I completely agree 100% with everything you just – and I'm glad you had those rules exactly pulled up because I pulled them up at the time but forgot to save them. So thank you for pulling those rules up. I appreciate it. Oh, I do my best. I have A through Q right here. If you want to know all, all A through Q ways that a dead, a dead ball can be dead. Yeah. And this uh, – you know, this segment probably would have been more interesting if, you know, there was – one of us disagreed with you so we could have a discussion about it, but yep. all of us agree. Cause we're it, all in favor. Right. Cause it's the correct. Yeah. It's the correct. I'm also one of those people, right? You hear people like in basketball saying, Oh, how can you make that foul call with 30 seconds or 10 seconds left in the game? So, Cause it's well, a foul. It's if it's a foul in the first minute, it's a foul with 10 seconds left. I don't That's care. Right. The situation doesn't matter about the interpretation of a rule, about a foul, a penalty, things like that. That's my opinion. The rule book is there to uphold the integrity of the game. And as soon as you start making up your own rules for God knows what reason, then you're not playing the game. Agreed. Agreed. The rules are the rules. Call them as they be. Anyway, I didn't know we'd spend the most time talking about Texans' bills out of all of these (laughs) games. Especially because... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. And all we'll move on to the Titans and Patriots, which everyone is quite happy because the Patriots lost. So this is the, the first time the Patriots... dynasty has fallen. Yes, this is the first time the Patriots had played on Wild Card Weekend since 2009. They had gotten a first-round bye every other year. the weakest division in, like, the last decade in football. Yeah. Because of so all they, the incompetencies at head coach, general manager, and quarterback in all of those three other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had gotten a first-round bye for 10 straight years. And this year they played in Wild Card Weekend, had a home game against Tennessee. And Tennessee beat them. They played just enough defense, and Derrick Henry wore out the Patriots' offense just enough that they were able to... Um, Derrick Henry wore out the Patriots' offense? Yeah, the Patriots' defense, I should say. And the best way to beat Tom Brady is to keep Tom Brady off the field, which the Titans succeeded in doing for the most part. And then make Tom Brady throw a touchdown to the other team. Yeah, they did that too, but that was in garbage time. Um, Sort of. I mean, not really. The game was tied. That that was the go-ahead touchdown. No, it wasn't. Tennessee was up by a point. Tennessee was up by a point, Kyle. They were up by a point. Yes. But, I mean, at that point, it put the game on ice. Yes, it did. It made the game pretty much irrelevant. But, yeah. So, the Titans, 14-13 until Brady threw that pick six. Final score ended up being 20-13 um, to 13 because they went for two, which makes sense in that situation to try to make it a field goal game and didn't get it. But, yeah, 20 to, uh, 20 to 13 final. For or not to make it a sorry, not to make it a three to make point, it a to make two it a, score game right to make it a two score game, um yeah so twenty to thirteen final Tennessee wins um there was an interesting clock management thing there that we will talk about in Mike's stupid rules here after the NFL segment where uh, Tennessee gave uh, Bill Belichick a taste of his own medicine that was uh, good to see and Bill Belichick was not very happy about it. So we will get to that later in Mike's Stupid Rules. But I want to talk about another overtime game and the one that mattered most to me. Well, so can I, can I just say something real quick? Yeah, go for it. The, the Saints were unhappy in the playoffs last year 
because and then they changed a rule. Maybe the Saints are going to get overtime rules changed now this offseason because they're mad that Drew Brees didn't get a chance to possess the ball, which cry me a river that happened to Patrick Mahomes last year. It happened, so. happened to Brett Favre in 2009, and then the Saints only got a field goal. That was before the rule change that made a field goal in overtime from the first team not ending the game, right? Brett Favre didn't get a chance in 2009 in the Superdome, so stop whining, Saints fans. If you want a second chance here, Brett Favre should have had one in 2009, and you know he would have beat you. Anyways. But other than that, talk about your game because it was a really exciting when game. When these two teams meet in the playoffs, insane things happen. You have the Bounty Gate game in 2009 with Brett Favre getting knocked out, et cetera, et cetera. You have the Minneapolis Miracle last year. Then you have an overtime game this year. Or two years ago was the Minneapolis Miracle, sorry. And then you have the overtime game this year. Just amazing things happen when these two teams get together. For the most part in this game, the Vikings made Drew Brees look like Josh Allen, basically. An immobile Josh Allen. He was making poor decisions. He threw an interception. He fumbled. The Saints had only turned the ball over something like eight times all year, and they turned the ball over twice in that game. So you mean he was looking like Ryan Fitzpatrick against a good defense? Hey, you should be praising I know. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I really- He's the reason <laughs> you guys didn't have to go to Tennessee. And you know what happens when you go to Tennessee. You wouldn't have had to, or, you wouldn't sorry, have had to gone play to Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, when you play Tennessee. You know what happens when the Chiefs play Tennessee in the playoff game. People throw touchdown passes throw themselves. Touchdowns to themselves. So you should be happy. You should not be insulting Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. But anyway, yeah, the Saints made Drew Brees, uh, the, the Vikings defense made Drew Brees look Awful. An amazing game plan by Mike Zimmer. There were talks that Mike Zimmer might get traded to Dallas, like trade the head coach. Yes, you can do that. Fun fact. There were talks that he'd get fired. That was probably the best coached game of Mike Zimmer's career as a head coach. It was just an incredible game plan. So the Vikings had two, their number two and three cornerbacks were out for this game. Found out on Friday that both of them were out. But Mike Zimmer schemed so well that with the fourth string safety that they signed off the street in the middle of the year, Andrew Zendejo playing slot corner, they were able to stymie Drew Brees. They held Michael Thomas to seven catches and 70 yards. Really, the Saints' only offense this game was Taysom Hill. He had a big rush down the sideline late in the game. He caught a 20-yard touchdown from Drew Brees. He um threw, he threw a, a 60-yard yeah, pass. pass that set up uh, Alvin Kamara touchdown. Taysom Hill was the Saints' only offense that in pretty much that entire game because the Vikings had Drew Brees' number. The Vikings' defense, incredible game plan, held the Saints just low enough to send that game to overtime. And then let's talk about Kirk Cousins for a minute. Everyone knows the narrative is this, about Cousins. Is this like is this a career saving like win for him basically since he has been known to be horrific in the playoffs, has no, been horrific on Monday Night Football? Because everyone knows Kirk Cousins is still one of the fifteen best quarterbacks in the world. Right? Even if he can't win big games, he's still one of the fifteen best quarterbacks. Well, twenty. So we start, don't have an argument about it. You know, he's one of the twenty best quarterbacks. But in the he world. he finally found the win. Yes, he finally won the big game. He finally performed in the pressure-packed moment. The Vikings uh, got the toss, won the toss, and received an overtime. 
Kirk Cousins made three incredible throws in overtime. The first one, a third and one slant, Stefan Diggs, um, to keep the uh, keep the go uh, keep the Gophers keep the Vikings from going three and out to start that drive. Then um, after Dalvin Cook had ran for 11 yards and another first down, um, he threw a 43-yard bomb to Adam Thielen, just dropped it in there perfectly to put the ball on the two-yard line. Then after a couple of run plays that ended up in a net minus two yards, he threw a beautiful fade to Kyle Rudolph, who had like a seven-inch height advantage on his wide receiver, or on his corner there. So that was just a just an easy pitch and catch. Kyle Rudolph on the fade for the game-winning touchdown. Three great throws by Kirk Cousins to ice that game, put it away in overtime. Kirk Cousins, the narrative changed on Kirk Cousins. He finally won the big game. He's going to have another opportunity to, uh, to go win a big game as the Vikings will go to San Francisco with the first game of the divisional round on Saturday at 3.35 kickoff Vikings Niners from Levi's Stadium in San Francisco Kirk Cousins Mike Zimmer Mike Zimmer will be back next year now after that performance there's no doubt about it Kirk Cousins if he beat San Francisco might earn himself a contract extension from the Vikings which if you think about week four that is not at all what um, Vikings fans are talking about Kirk Cousins can yeah that was just Kirk Cousins, one of the biggest games of Kirk Cousins' career, and he came through. Great job for Kirk Cousins there. I've been talking a lot, Kyle. Do you want to talk about that fourth game of the weekend? I didn't get a chance to watch much. Yeah, so basically the storyline of this game is Carson Wentz finally made his first playoff appearance um, since he has been injured every single year that they've made the playoffs previously. And this year he gets knocked out in the first quarter uh, due to a concussion. Um and then Russell Wilson didn't really play all that great. He he was a game manager. DK Metcalf went off. He had uh, one of the single highest uh, receiving yardage totals for a rookie making their um, po- or postseason debut for a team um, as a wide receiver with 163 yards. He had a, a spectacular catch where he caught it and rolled and got up before anyone touched him and stumbled his way into the end zone for a touchdown. Marshawn Lynch ran for a touchdown after recently being uh, serving drinks in an Oakland Raiders parking lot in the playoffs. So the the Seahawks move on mainly due to a very shorthanded and injury-plagued team this entire season, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles' defense held them in check enough to keep them within this game. Uh, Josh McCowan did have a chance to lead the Eagles to a comeback. Um, but was unable to prevail. They had a fourth. They had a fourth down play in the red zone. In the red zone, only down by eight, and he ended up taking a sack on a uh, cover zero blitz. Um, and then they just weren't able to get the ball where they needed to and get it in the end zone to potentially tie the game and get it into an overtime for the third overtime of the game. But. Uh, three road teams end up winning in wild card weekend going on to the divisional round next week. Uh, we did talk about the Texans do go to Arrowhead to take on the chiefs. That is on Sunday, the Seattle Seahawks travel to green Bay, I believe to take on the Packers. That is also on Sunday, the 12th, the Tennessee Titans travel to Baltimore to take on the one seed in the AFC 
That is on Saturday. And as Mike alluded to, the Minnesota Vikings take on the one seed in the NFC in San Francisco on Saturday as well. Divisional weekend should be very good as well. We'll see how some of those games shape up. We'll see if the road teams can all win again. But speaking about a road team that won, they had a clock management thing that is now that now happened twice this season in the NFL. Mike, do you want to fill us in in this edition of Mike's Stupid Rules? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, absolutely. I would love to. So basically, this let's set the situation here. Tennessee's got the ball fourth, and we'll call it six. I don't remember exactly what it was. At the Patriots, 44, we'll call it. Um, and so they decided they were going to punt. This is uh, with about six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. The pa- uh, They decided they're going to punt back to the Patriots and try to pin them deep instead of going for it. Now, since, you know, from the 41, right, that's not a long punt. Your punt has obviously got more legs. They take – what they what they do is they're – they're trying to both burn clock and back up the punt a little bit. So what they do is first they run 40 seconds off the the clock by taking a delay of game penalty in that situation. Backs them up five yards, ran 40 seconds off the clock. Now, since there's more than um, since there's more than five minutes on the game clock here yet, the clock once the ball is reset, the clock will wind again with 25 seconds on the play clock. So they let that run out down to one second, and then they false start. So if they would have taken two consecutive d- delay of games, that's a personal foul on sportsmanlike 15-yard penalty. So instead, they had one of their guys watching the play clock on the line, and he just false started with one second left on the play clock. Again, backed the ball up five yards. Again, there was more than five minutes left on the clock. So again, once the ball was set, the clock ran. This time, the Patriots jumped off sides for some reason. Anyway, that was with about 5.15 left on the clock, still more than five minutes after the ball was reset, the clock ran. And then right then, the, uh, after that one, the Titans finally punted. But they ran a minute and 45 seconds off the clock by alternating taking delay of game, false start, and then they were going to take another false start, but the Patriots jumped off sides instead for some reason. And they managed to run a minute 45 seconds off the clock just by taking those three penalties. And Bill Belichick, as Kyle alluded to, did something similar to the uh, Against Jets. Against the Jets, a, I believe, in week 14. Yeah, in a meaningless that game. That game was over. But, um, yeah, did something similar to the Jets there. He wasn't happy about what the Tennessee Titans were doing. But it was completely legal. It was great gamesmanship playing the clock there by the Titans. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know that uh, if it was within five minutes, you uh, or if it was more than five minutes left, the clock would run after a penalty like that, since it occurred in a running clock situation. So, mm-hmm. oh look at that, Tyrese Halliburton on TV at the Cyclone women's basketball game with some other the men's basketball players who weren't as easy to identify, but Tyrese Halliburton was there. <laughs> Sorry, distractions. <laughs> Squirrel. Anyway, what was I talking about? I was talking about your stupid rule, but I think you had finished. So now we're just going to let you keep talking what you've done for about 70% of this podcast so far and hold us accountable. Yeah, I talked a lot more than normal. I will hold us accountable in this past week. We had four predictions 
come off the board in this last week. Two from me, one from Kyle, and one from Wyatt. We'll start with both of them. No, we're not. Who did that? Somebody changed my order of predictions. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's my segment. It wasn't I me. put the predictions in the order I want them in. Don't change them. Starting Because I put them in the order that they were predicted. See, that's the order I do it. I don't group them by person. I group it in order that they were predicted. You're going to yell at Kyle, not me. Yes, I see that. I see that he's moving them as I am speaking. The first prediction to come off the board, uh, or to be put on the board, I guess as I should be saying, is one for me. I predicted the SEC would finish below 500 in bowl games, going three or four or worse. They actually ended up going five and two. Um, with an impressive comeback by Tennessee against Indiana being the last one, but it wasn't the dagger. The dagger was uh, Alabama over Michigan. Uh, the SC went 5-2, and two, so for that I get a nah. nah. The next prediction that was on the board that has come off uh, was one from Kyle. He predicted that the Saints would go to the Super Bowl, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. With their loss to the Vikings, they can obviously not do that. So for that he gets a nah. nah. Um, and then we had two predictions that happened last week. Um, I predicted that three road teams would win, which they did in the Titans, Vikings, and Seahawks. Personally, I would have guessed that it would be um, Bills, Titans, and Seahawks if three teams were going to win. The Vikings had the worst chance, in my opinion. Hey, but, but it, whatever gets you there. Yeah, it got me there. And also, if just two road teams would have won with what happened in the Bills game, I was going to file an official write-that-down protest. But I didn't have to since both the Vikings and Seahawks won. So no official protest for me because I just get the prediction correct. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. ding. And our last one to come off the board was from Wyatt. Uh, he predicted the Bills would win the AFC, which they can't do because they lost. And he can't file a protest because they still would have had to won two games to do that. Yep. And you're not going to win that protest even if. Because there's just too many unpredictables. You could have filed a protest if it was a Bills win thing and we would have had to deal with it. But no protest for this. So for that, you just get a nah. 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 That is all four predictions off the board. So we will move on with our predictions segment. Kyle. Yeah, so I'm going to make maybe one of the first predictions for ISU women's basketball this year. Wrong. Second. I got one on the board. Second. All right. I predicted that both the men and women would finish in the top five in the league, so that one counts. And that one's not looking very good right now. Because the men aren't going to live up to their end of the bargain. (laughs) This week, I'm going to predict that ISU women's basketball will finish in the top three in the league this year. Oh, in the league? Top three. All right, so let me look. Let me look at not top teams three in the NCAA. Yes. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Jesus. Wow. I mean, I assumed you meant Big Twelve, but you, yeah. you typed in league like Oregon and yeah. so that's what like a single probably because they're good, aren't? Texas um, is bad. Baylor's so good. So in the standings, you've got. Let me see. My phone is having hissy fit here. So Baylor is sixth in the nation. West Virginia is nineteenth in the nation. Um. And then as far as teams that are in the others receiving votes category, you've got TCU, who is ranked, we'll call it 30th, and then Texas, you'll call it 35th. So according to the rankings, the Cyclones are probably the fifth or sixth best team in the Big 12. Oh, rip. That's not a single. Nope, not at all. I'm thinking... Dude, I haven't watched any basketball at all from anybody yet this year because I'm bad. That's probably you what, should al- triple. You should also be informed that they are currently losing to Texas here. They are, they are. Oh, the, no. The quarter going here. 
by about six or something at, here at the start of the third quarter. Um, nah, double, I triple. Johnson. I would say think? triple. I triple? believe in Ray uh, Johnson, though. She can bring it back. We'll give. I believe in uh, Bridget, the spirit of Bridget Carlton. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, of course. She was in one Would of my you... classes. <laughs> Mike, what do you got? I am going to do the exact opposite of what I did last week. Last week, I predicted that three road teams would win. This week, I'm going to project that three, three, exactly three, not three or more, exactly three home teams will win this weekend. Home okay. teams? Exactly three home teams. Uh, so got the Chiefs, Chiefs and... Ravens, Packers, 49ers. For reference, 538 gives the Niners a 67% chance, Baltimore an 87% chance, the Chiefs an 83% chance, and the Packers a 75% chance Double. to win oh, games. Double. They're probably all going to lose because it's the NFL, and who knows what an partial game is because I don't. Yeah, double. Double. Double? All right, I'll yeah. take it up for that. Uh, Wyatt, bring it to you. What do you got? I, I'm just going to wallow in, in hopefulness and be <laughs> sad about it. I'm going to say that the Iowa State Cyclones men's basketball will win their next game. Against their Kansas next game on Wednesday. Against number three, Kansas. Um, let home. me look at the uh, BPI, BPI. quick. ESPN yeah, BPI gives the Cyclones that. a 32.8% chance. I don't give it quite that high because I, I see that accounts for a full Hilton home court advantage. And without students, I don't think it'll be quite a full home court advantage. Triple. So, yeah, double I'd or say, triple. I'd say triple just because it's uh, – I'm thinking triple. All right, we'll give you a triple. Wyatt's feel, or Kyle's feeling generous, so we'll give you a triple. I'm what in a generous – I'm on vacation right now, you know. What do we okay. got from Josh this week? Yeah, Josh is doubling down on his prediction from last week. If uh, Josh got his prediction after the podcast last week, predicting that the Packers would win one um, playoff game, at least one, at least one playoff game. Sorry, this week he predicted that they would go to the Super Bowl, which would be winning two playoff games. Their chance to make the Super Bowl, according to five thirty eight, is thirty two percent. Kind of hope not. Like, I have no stake in the NFL or anything, but G-Sed's kind of spooked me. Double. I mean, we just gave you a triple for something that had a 32% chance of happening. Oh, I guess that's true. I, yeah, that's why I don't think I'll give him a triple. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Keep it consistent. As consistent as possible. I think those were generous bases today for everybody. I would agree with that. Including so, I mean, yourself? I'm okay with it. No, not for me. Single I for Mike. exactly three <laughs> instead of the at least three because I knew if I said at least three, it would at least just three, be that'd be, yeah, yeah. So Easy. that's why I went the exactly three, trying to get the extra base. Uh, now that we have all four of our stuff written down and my blood pressure has fallen back to a more manageable level, that means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 63. We hope to see you back here again next week for episode 64. Except not That's, see. It's, this, is, this, is, this is radio. We can't see. Well, it's not radio, actually. It's as good as radio. We hope you all join us next week. That's what I was trying to say. When we talk to you 
about more things sports-related because that's what we do. As always, if you have any comments and want to respond to our rant earlier or anything else, feel free to drop us a line at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact or DM us on Instagram at 8311cast, 8311cast. Signing off for the 8311 we have your hosts. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt here. That's our alternate name. Fun fact. Searches on Google. Talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. You like that? You like that? Go Cyclones. Nobody likes likes that. You like that?